You guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, you need to. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Mimesis, the podcast where life and art imitate each other in all sorts of twisted ways. I'm Sandra Sheriff Sackerly. And I'm Stacey Rourke. And we are your host on this zany adventure. Yes, we are. <laughs> From opposite sides of the country, which is never more evident than in the video <laughs> feed that our listeners can't see, but no. it's it's making <laughs> it's making me laugh. <laughs> really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dressed in a beanie with a hoodie and long pants and really comfy warm socks. And you are in <laughs> a sleeveless romper. That's it. <laughs> uh-huh. So if I lean down a little bit, I look nude and you're yeah. wearing like all the layers. <laughs> all the layers. I'm so cold today. It is not cold here. Yeah. It got down to like 40 something last night. Oh, yeah. That is cold. That's. Yeah. Mm. yeah. See, that's. I miss my family in Michigan. I miss my friends in Michigan. I do not miss Michigan weather one little bit. No. Like I'm. I love it right now. This is about my threshold, like right here. And then once it gets colder than this, that's where I'm like, uh-uh, get me out of here. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's about as cold as Florida gets is, yeah. you know, hoodie. That's what I've always described it as since my first winter down here is it gets to like hoodie and maybe a beanie weather. And then you're like, okay, that was that was a, a long two-week winter. Let's go back to tank tops and shorts. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but it's, it's kind of nice because the leaves are falling and now it's like, oh, it's a little chilly. I want my hot chocolate or apple cider. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, we have a tropical storm that could be turning into a hurricane that's heading our way next week. Yes. So we are doing the, the pre-hurricane prep getting our generator gassed up and absolutely stocking up on water and canned goods and i'm not making the not mistake perishable. i made with um hurricane dorian which dorian never actually hit landfall um but for some reason i thought it <laughs> i thought if it did hit the best way to make sure i didn't get blown away was to eat my body weight in cookies <laughs> that was... did you just hide and eat cookies it was at this time Trader Joe's and see here's the thing I don't even let Jay bring these home from work anymore. They have like these maple leaf sandwich cookies oh. that have maple frosting in them. Yum. They're so good, but I lose any kind of self-control when they're around. Yeah. So I was very much stress eating and I was like, yeah, I, I had one <laughs> cookie today and like the whole box is gone. <laughs> a box is not a serving. We need to remember that. <laughs> Just like the crumble cookies. Yeah, <laughs> one cookie are... is not a serving. No, no, no. So I, I told him he can't he can't bring those home anymore. Yeah. I'm going to have good. to go see if they have them. 
they're really good. I really want to go get their um they have the pumpkin like bars. They're kind of like the Nutri-Grain bars with like the filling, but they're okay. pumpkin. And that would be good. Like, kids love them and Evan can't take nuts to school, so he can't take the peanut butter and the ABC bars because they have nuts. So I need that one. Yeah. They also have pumpkin JoJo's right now. Oh, they're so good. Scott really found that he liked the chocolate covered JoJo's. Yeah. They have those at Christmas time and they put um, crushed candy cane in the chocolate. Oh, Scott would hate that. He hates chocolate mint. Well, it's well, then they're just for me then. Uh (laughs) I don't have to share them. (laughs) Those are very good. Um, now we need to get off of food because this is just going to make me hungry. I know it's lunchtime right now. So let's talk about like the absolute opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. I mean, technically, <laughs> technically, <laughs> the Dahmer mini series has kicked off. Yeah. Holy shit! Was that first episode intense? So intense. Like I was on the edge of my seat. Um. I don't want to give away spoilers, but some of the things like that, that poor guy, I'm just like, dude, run, dude. Right. Right? Like, don't do it. Don't even go with him. Oh, that was so, I will say, um, okay. I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for a little minute about this. I've seen people criticizing others for watching the show online. Now, first of all, I'm not saying if this isn't for you, by all means, this isn't for you, but don't criticize other people. Um, that that want to watch this kind of stuff because there's a psychology that goes behind being interested in true crimes, being interested in cases like this. And it's not right. about glorifying the cases. No. It's about it making even goes, it out in the open. Yeah. And it even goes back to like public hangings and public executions way back when. There's a part about this that we can't wrap our mind around because these aren't people that look like monsters. This isn't, you know, a a giant grizzly bear that mulled somebody. This is somebody that looks like you and I. And we can't wrap our minds around how did they become this monster? How did they? It's not only that, but it's how can we let ourselves, anybody, like trust them enough to go with them exactly be aware of those red flags if you have a bad feeling in your gut listen to it i've told you that since you were a little kid if you've got a feeling in your gut what is your gut telling you if your gut Mm -hmm. is telling you no this isn't right then listen to it exactly and it's you know i let my my kids listen to true crime places they're watching Dahmer with me right now yeah and Oh, I probably won't let Emma watch. She's still no. She's a little too young. young. My kids are in high school, and they hear worse in the halls. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, they both have had moments where they've had to leave the room, where they're just Mm -hmm. like, "This is so intense." I will say the show is being very respectful of the victims. It is. Um, Yeah. It it's more on how he grew up and him. Yes, on his mental state, on his next door neighbor who did everything she freaking could to right. try to alert the police that something was happening here and they didn't listen Ugh. no because he would say oh there's even in the first episode there's gay mm-hmm. stuff in there don't look in there he was right. using that because at that time they were like oh okay well right this is- it's big cliche like oh no 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 yeah thankfully the yeah. last guy was like yeah i'm gonna go ahead and have a look anyway yeah um but they're they're being respectful in the way that they're 
they're fading to black. Right. A lot of the really atrocious stuff. And for the sake of the victims, I do appreciate that. But, you know, I've heard people that have said, I didn't even know about Jeffrey Dahmer until this came about. Right. And that's, they don't need to, we don't want to glorify them, Mm-mm. but Mm-mm. we do need to know the psychology and how people like him can pretend to put on this facade that makes people trust them. Yes. Like how? It's the same thing like with some relationships. Like you have to see those red flags yep. and you might not see them and then you trust them and trust them and trust them until it's like, oh shit, like I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> How many times have you heard like um BTK's wife um oh who else is who else was married I can't remember but like wives yeah. of serial killers that are like I had no idea that he was capable of this Exactly It's like so. they have like split personality disorder where they can literally turn it on and turn it off with a flip of a switch Yeah and Dahmer himself he said it in the episode he said it in interviews that he can't think of anything in his life that quote unquote made him that way he thinks he was just born that way that that's just yeah Hmm. like i've been reading a book about narcissist because trying to heal from narcissistic abuse from a bunch of different areas in my life (laughs) and it's like they go for that person like you can be confident but they go for the person that they can just like find one little weakness and then they just tear them down and that's that's got to be what some of these people do is just serial killers that they find that one little weak moment and they just feed on that. Yeah. Um, in that first episode, when that guy was going to his apartment and, you know, it was so intense and he was like, yeah, I'm just not comfortable with this, but he still went inside. And one thing that I said to my kids right then and there was, if you're in a situation where you feel uncomfortable, don't do it just because you don't want to be rude. Don't put yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in because uh, it's not polite. Be rude. Set your own boundaries. Um, This is a weird shout out, but one of my favorite Peloton instructors, her name is Robin. And one thing that she says all the time is boundaries are sexy. Boundaries are sexy. Knowing Absolutely. when to say no, and this is not what I want, and yeah. this is what I do want. Boundaries are sexy. So I was going to say, um, my favorite murder, they have one that's fuck politeness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid no. to run the hell out of there. <laughs> right. right. So we ranted. We ranted. <laughs> now we're going to get into even more creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I love spooky season so much. Me too. I am so excited about this one. All right, what you got for us today? The Exorcist. Yes. Like we talked about it last week, but yes. Yeah. yeah, this one like I found like a little piece of information that I don't know if you know. <laughs> and I'm like so excited to get there and tell you. <laughs> but we can't just skip there. No, no. But it's it comes up pretty quickly in my notes. Okay, so. cool. All right, ma'am, let's get okay. to it. Okay. So the book and the movie were both written by William Peter Blatty. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, the book came out in 1971 and the movie in 1973. Okay. And like thinking about the movie, like it's really creepy for it to come out in 1973 because they didn't have a lot of like sound effects or not sound effects, but like. Uh, 
what special is it effects. called? Special effects. Yeah. Yeah. So they did a lot of stuff. <laughs> they were very creative on getting things the way they wanted it back yeah. then. Yeah. And I don't know where the big push of scary movies came from, but I love it. <laughs> we're going to get into that next week because. Are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. So the book was a bestseller, but they had a really hard time casting the film. Um, a fire, once they did cast, and then they had a fire that destroyed most of the set. So oh, no. it took like so long to even get this movie um, into production. It took um, twice the initial budget that it had. So Ooh. they spent a lot of money. Well, good for them that it became a classic then. Right? It was even um, up for awards. Really? The first scary movie to be up for awards. That doesn't, yeah, that's a rarity. Even in this yeah. day and age, it doesn't happen very yeah. often. I think the last one was like in 2018. Really? Yeah. Which one was that? Uh, 2017, Get Out. Oh, that was a good one. I haven't seen that one. It's very good. Yeah. So, Silence of the Lamb has the honor of being the only horror movie in Oscar history to ever have won Best Picture. Yes. Hmm. Yes. And that Something movie will else. come up next week as well. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Exorcist was released in 24 theaters in the United States and oh. in Canada. Okay. Um, so, December of 1973. Audience flocked to see the movie even though there were mixed reviews, some viewers suffered physical reactions, uh, fainting, vomiting, heart attack, miscarriages oh my gosh. were reported. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. See, now we, I would say, how do you get so scared that you throw up? But Ellie proved <laughs> to us last week that that actually can happen. Yeah. With the yeah. Amityville one. Uh-huh. <laughs> a journal published a paper on cinematic neuroses uh triggered by the film many children were allowed to see it oh <laughs> well that's before like rankings on movies right yep. okay. this led to the the rankings the mpaa rating board they gave it the r rating instead of the x rating they thought it deserved in order to make it commercially successful I love that they let kids go to it and people are throwing up everywhere and they're right. like, you know, this might not be suitable for kids. Not at mm. all. <laughs> definitely not. I definitely saw this movie way too young of an age. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how I saw it, where I saw it, but I know that it was, I had to have been before 10. Yeah. Yeah, I was eight when I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time, and I still haven't recovered from that shit. Yeah, no. I can watch a lot of scary movies. Freddy Krueger's my limit. Mm -mm. I saw the one with Johnny Depp, and that one scared yeah. the shit out of me. That's the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe I'm that's good. why I don't like it. They killed Johnny Depp. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Mine was, I have a hard time with car accidents, so mm -hmm. it was the car accident scene that I was like, no. <laughs> Did you know, I just saw this somewhere yesterday, when Wes Craven made the movie Scream, do you remember when Billy comes into Sydney's room, like at night, he sneaks into her room and pops yeah. into the screen for the first yeah. time? That scene was supposed to mirror the scene in Nightmare on Elm Street where Johnny Depp's character pops into that girl's room and 
Skeet Ulrich looks an awful lot like Johnny Depp. So that was Wes Craven was trying to mirror that scene a little bit. I did not know that he did. He did Elm Street. Um, I don't know. Did he do what Elm Street? Um, he did scream and he was just, I don't know. Did he actually do? Was he on. just given a wink and a nod? Like uh, he gave a wink and a nod to a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He did. He did both. Yeah. So he was giving tribute to himself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like, please go and watch my movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I won't lie. I do that in my book sometime. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So in the movie, this was in Georgetown that kind of plays a role in this actress chris mcneil works on a film directed by her friend burke dennings chris lives in a well-appointed house with servants with her daughter reagan chris hears noises in the attic and reagan tells her of an imaginary friend named captain howdy <laughs> creepy <laughs> reagan appears and urinates on the carpet at one of the dinner parties yep <laughs> Uh-huh. And after that, Chris puts Reagan to bed and her bed shakes violently. Reagan becomes violent. She is subjected to several medical tests, which fail to find anything physically wrong with her, which they oh. fail to find anything wrong with her. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to um, William Blatley, who wrote the thing. He says, he addressed the extreme reaction of some of the audience members in a documentary and said, I will tell you about what I believe is the sole cause of all those stories about people getting nauseous, people fainting, people screaming, people running out of the, the theater and all of that. It was not any of the horror that was taking place. It was, in fact, the medical scene that was taking place. This is in reference to the scene in which Reagan undergoes the audiogram which involves the needle being stuck into her neck. Okay. That's where it all, like, people couldn't stand the blood. Okay. And the thought of things happening to the neck. I I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. That's why they usually ask people to, or like husbands or spouses, to leave the room when a woman's getting an epidural because it's that seeing the needle go in and yeah those needles are freaking long too yeah that's that's what made your uncle hit the floor was watching <laughs> that happen he did, so I did see he? It. he did he fainted and he grabbed my ivy cord on the way to the floor and yanked it did it pull out no it didn't but it hurt oh. like hell oh shit <laughs> and they had to use the smelling salts to wake him up he was such a cliche in that movie but or in that moment not that movie um <laughs> but the funniest part after that was here i am like in labor giving birth and every and time the nurse would come in the room they kept checking on him <laughs> are you okay do you need anything and i was glaring daggers at him until he finally was like i'm good can you please stop asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, a person funny. coming out of her maybe we could fo- maybe we could make this moment about her was that the second or the first time that was the second time that was also the one where my epidural didn't work it oh, went yeah. up instead of down yeah that one was scary anyways okay so this is the part that i'm really excited for you to know okay did you know that one of the radiologists present during the arteriogram paul benson is an alleged serial killer (gasps) no (laughs) 
Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. Several years after the film, he was convicted of murdering film critic Addison Virrell. Bateson became the prime suspect in what was known as the Bag Murders. The Bag Murders. The Bag Murders. What were how did he like put pe- bags over people's heads or it was carried out between 1975 and 1977 in which six male victims were mutilated, dismembered, and their remains were wrapped in plastic bags and dumped in the Hudson. So it was like a Bay Harbor butcher kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. I wonder yeah. if they took any of that from uh maybe Dexter cuz that sounds very very familiar. Yeah. Well, they in this one, um, William Fredericks, the film producer, he was Paul Bateson in the Bag Murders was the inspiration for Cruising, starring Al Pacino. I think I've seen like movie posters for that. I don't think I've ever actually seen the movie. Yeah. But he was never convicted for really? the bag murder crimes. He was just suspected yeah. of it. Just mm. suspected. So the identities of the victims, as well as their killer, has never been established. Bates, Bateson ultimately served 24 years and three months of his sentence, becoming eligible for parole in 1997. Did he get out? He did. Oh. He did. What are the- we doing? I know. But he was only convicted of the one murder. Still. Yeah. Still. So on the day after his 63rd birthday in August of 2003, he was released from the Arthur Arthur Kill Correctional Facility on Staten Island. According to online records kept... His, perfor- his parole was successfully completed in November of 2008. Oh, my gosh. This was the last public record of Bateson available as of 2021. So. So no one knows if he's no alive. No one knows if he's dead there, alive. Yeah. So. Um, well, let's see. If he was released in what year? 19. 2003. 2003 and he was mm-hmm. how old 63 63 well later it said that there is a record in the social security index the death index that paul f benson with the same birthday and say social security number um issued in pennsylvania died on september 15 2012 okay so, so there's a possibility that he really is dead and if he's not he's in his 80s right so hopefully think, he's frail enough to not do anything. Not to put bodies in bags anymore. Let's not yeah. do that. Yeah. But supposedly but yeah, he was like in jail talking about those crimes. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? Oh. But never. Nobody was ever arrested or anything for that. Well, they were like, he's already in jail. So what does it matter? It matters because like he could get out. He did get out. Right. Exactly. And what about those those families that want to know what happened to their loved ones? Yeah. So there was a potential serial killer on the set of The Exorcist. 
like one of the scariest movies in history <laughs> and there was a scary ass individual that's just roaming around there do you think he was giving suggestions <laughs> he's like you know what would make this even creepier and they're like wow buddy you have such a creative mind how do you come up with these things yeah maybe that's why they decided to show all the blood is because he's like listen here the people bleed a lot <laughs> It wouldn't be a trickle. It'd be more of a gush. I really, and they're all yeah. like, how do you, you know what? We're not going to ask. We're just going right. to, right. We're going to take that knowledge at face value. Yeah. Okay. So back to the movie. Okay. The possessed Reagan exhibits abnormal strength. One night, Chris finds the house empty except for a sleeping Reagan. Um, Dennings is found dead at the foot of the outdoor staircase beneath Reagan's window. Obviously, she somehow murdered him pushed him out the window can't remember she exactly him how out the window <laughs> yeah. Yeet. Yeah. um homicide detective william kinderman questions Carus, confiding that denning's body was found with his head turned backward head turned that's all the way fun backward. <laughs> she was trying to see if she could pop it off like a barbie doll it don't go back on as it never as does <laughs> it never does you put that head back on and now it's all the way down to her shoulders she no longer has a neck so barbie's true. never the same after that never never <laughs> never okay reagan's condition worsens and her body becomes covered with sores a doctor mentions an exorcism as a remote option suggesting a possible psychological benefit I mean, I mean, in this it, case, yes, it worked. <laughs> at least they didn't go for like a frontal lobotomy. That was also pretty That's big. true. That yeah. was big back in those times, too. Very much. Yes. <laughs> Her brain seems troubled. Let's just chunk, take a chunk out of it. Right. Then yeah. they're never the same. Then they're no. catatonic almost. Okay. So they did the exorcism and. Uh, no, not yet. Oh, As Kinderman okay. leaves, the possessed Reagan stabs her genitals with a crucifix, which also caused an uprising in the yeah the real <laughs> in the real world in the real world in the real real <laughs> in the real real. To Chris's horror, the possessed Reagan turns her head backwards and speaks in Diggins' voice. The possessed Reagan is confined to her bedroom because who wants that all over the house when you could just have it in one room? <laughs> Yeah. you're grounded you're grounded to your room you and your, your demons. demons don't get to come out <laughs> i do not have enough fucks to give about your demons today go to your room so chris seeks out father Karis, who visits reagan over two meetings the possessed reagan claims to be the devil himself projectile vomits into Car's face speaks in tongues and reacts violently when tap water, not tap water. <laughs> Why did I write tap water? <laughs> Holy Is she water. related to the Wicked Witch of the West? Yes, <laughs> I'm melting. <laughs> but even that was rainwater. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a bucket of water. Was it was it? a bucket of water? They threw a bucket of water. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's just tap water. <laughs> holy water yeah that makes more water. sense <sighs> which cars had claimed oh it was tap water it was I, I, it was okay i thought i wrote this right and reacts violently when tap water is sprinkled on her which car has claimed was holy water 
Okay. A point against genuine possession. So. Okay. So she's faking it. They're thinking (laughs) she's faking it. Yeah. Okay. So in the scene that Reagan projectile vomits at father cars only required one take. Really? Yes. The vomit was intended to hit Jason Miller, who played father cars, in the chest. However, the plastic tubing misfired and it hit him straight in the face. His reaction of shock and disgust while wiping away the vomit is completely genuine. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He admitted in an interview that he was so angry about this mistake. They didn't do it on purpose. That was... Um, There was a thing on Saturday Night Live recently that one, there was an outtake from that where there was like a skit where somebody was supposed to vomit and one of the characters that's like opposite this person had their mouth open at the time and like it sprayed directly into her mouth. Um, Watch that and she's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, I'm see, that's one thing that I have a very hard time watching in shows and movies is when somebody's vomiting. Because I'm a sympathy puker. And if I see somebody oh, yeah. vomiting, I immediately start heaving. So, <laughs> Well, I'm a sympathy whenever I see, like, when I, when I was younger, whenever I saw anybody, like, sneezing or, like, clearing their throat and, like, hawking loogies. Or, yeah. like, even your dog's drool. Drool. Yeah, I would St. Bernard. She, she <laughs> drooled profusely. <laughs> I yeah. puke every time. Like, thankfully my stomach has become a little bit stronger and I've been desensitized to it, but definitely. Yeah. Um, the scene in Titanic where Jack is teaching Rose how to hock a loogie. Oh he's yeah. Like working that one up. And then like they come up and he has to swallow, like just talking about it right now. Like it's making me queasy. Like my mouth yeah. is filling with spit. I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, I brought this up, but I regret it instantly. Yeah. So gross. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one made me puke. Yeah. It's nasty. That's it. like one of my favorite yeah. movies ever, but still like, we, just we skip can over skip that. that. Scene. <laughs> yeah. So the vomit was composed of thick pea soup, actual pea soup. Gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have they that used... blown in your face. No. <laughs> I think it's funny that they used a specific brand. Did was, they really? Yeah. It was called Anderson's brand. <laughs> <laughs> the crew tried Campbell's, but they didn't like the effect. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> Anderson's when you need the vomit to look real. <laughs> marketing campaigns that never took off (laughs) i love that so much okay so back to the movie the demon says it will remain in reagan until she is dead desperate chris confides that the possessed reagan killed dennings um at night reagan's nanny calls cars to the house they witness the words help materialize on her skin um it's concluded that an exorcism is warranted his superior grants permission on the condition that an ex- more experienced priest leads the ritual a so, young priest and an old priest <laughs> yep so cars assist mirin having performed an exorcism before is summoned so did you know this is actually based off a real person. I didn't. I didn't. We talked about this last week and it still blows yeah. my mind. I didn't know yep. that this movie was based on anything real. Yep. So, Tell me more. I need to know everything. 
In the U.S. in the late 1940s, the priest of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcism on an anonymous boy documented under the name Ronald Doe or Robbie Mannheim. Okay. So the 14-year-old boy was alleged victim of the demonic possession. The events were recorded by the attending priest, Raymond J. Bishop. Um, supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in The Exorcist. So they didn't use his real names and document basically to protect him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a young boy, 14. So Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to register. It's not like a sex offender right. list. You don't have to register as a demon offender. Yeah, no. And I'll get to it later. Okay. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Uh-huh. Um, in December 2001, the Skeptical Inquirer and The Guardian reported that they got the true identity of who Robbie Ronald was. Okay. His name is Ronald Edwin Hunklier. I think that's how you pronounce it. And his privacy just went out the window. Yes. And if this really, like, I did a lot of digging, and I'm pretty sure that everybody really truly believes that it's this guy. Okay. And Ronald was a NASA engineer. Oh. <gasps> No shit. Yep. He just died uh, May 10th, 2020. Um, but he was an engineer who patented a special technology to make space shuttle panels resistant to extreme heat, helping the Apollo missions of the 1960s that put the U.S. astronauts on the moon. Wow. If that isn't a story for what you can achieve when you overcome your demons, I don't right? know what is. <laughs> I'm going to become a NASA engineer. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry you had a shitty childhood. He was possessed by a freaking demon and went to work for NASA. So, right. right. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. like the best rags to riches story ever. Right? Yeah. yeah. He would be very uncompassionate towards other people, though. <laughs> oh, you're very having much. a bad day? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I was reading and he was like very afraid that people would find out that it was him. Okay. Yeah. That's not your proudest moment. Yeah. Especially when I get to later. Okay. But this is a little note that I had to write in here too that I found was Ronald was an only child and depended upon adults in his household for playmates, primarily his aunt, who was a spiritualist. And she introduced Ronald to the Ouija board. And he expressed <gasps> interest in it. We have talked about Ouija boards. No. Don't play with it. Not at all. Not no. a toy. You let demons in. <laughs> and then they're just roaming around trying to find something to do. Oh. Right. Right. No, no, no. So she she summoned that thing, and that poor boy got possessed. I that's yes. that's the story yes. I'm going with. And she probably she passed away, so like she wasn't able to put it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so back to the movie. The other priest arrives at the house, warning cars that the demon uses a psychological attack, 
As the priest reads from the Roman ritual, the demon curses them. It focuses on Cars verbally attacking his loss of his faith and guilt over the circumstances of his mother's death. The priest rests momentarily and Mirren, shaking, takes nitroglycerin. Cars enters the bedroom where the demon appears as his mother, showing weakness. Cars exclaims that the demon is not his mother. Um, Marin excuses Cars and continues the exorcism by himself, which was not his <laughs> best decision. Not a good. I got not him killed. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be alone with the demon. There's so there's so many metaphors here. <laughs> don't battle your demons alone. <laughs> This whole movie could be a metaphor. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You need help battling your demons. Don't do it alone. No. Have a friend while battling demons. (laughs) Yep. Use the buddy system when battling (laughs) demons. (laughs) Yes, I choose you. We're going in to face the demon. Everyone have your buddy? Lock arms. (laughs) I don't know why, but I thought of like the magic school bus. Yeah. Let's get inside the demon. <laughs> Here we go. There's like a merry little song that happens as you climb oh, aboard. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Cars finds Mirren dead. Cars beats the possessed ring and, and demands that the demon take him instead. Which. The demon does go into cars and he hurls himself out the window, killing that and Reagan set free. So Chrissing embraces the healed Reagan and Kinderman surveys the violence and confusion and outside Dreyer administers the last rite as cars dies. So, yeah. Where does the demon go from there? Did it die with him? Probably, Probably not. not. There, was, there was Exorcist 2, 3, 4. Five. Exactly. Exactly. So here's the fun part. Okay. <laughs> they don't really think this actually happened to Ronald. They really? think he was making it all up. Oh boy. Uh-huh. That he was just a troubled child that had mental issues. Which when you're like super smart, sometimes like you have the yeah, orchestra like, autism. Things. Yeah. So yeah. Or whether he was doing this on purpose. For yeah. yeah. Doing it on purpose, doing it for attention. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So according to Thomas B. Allen, he's an author and historian, um, that after Ronald's aunt's death, the family experienced strange noises furniture moving um, ordinary objects levitating when the boy was nearby the family turned to their lutheran pastor who then was like oh no like (laughs) you need to go get him help (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah like you need a catholic priest (laughs) this is out of (laughs) our jurisdiction are not yeah Yeah. we don't deal in demons sorry right so, and he was a parapsychologist too. So he even he was kind of like, no, <laughs> this is not your typical mental health. Yeah. But 
according to the traditional story, the boy then underwent a new number of exorcisms. Um, Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Ronald at Georgetown University Hospital. Okay. So that's where the correlation comes in with Georgetown and Georgetown. Comes back around. Yep. Yep. I love when they work in details like that. Little things. Yes. Yes. So during the exorcism, the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of his restraints, just like in the movie, broke a bedspring, and used this as a weapon. I don't think that fully happened in the movie. Um, he used a bedspring as a weapon? Yeah. Oh. Like, grabbed it out that, and like. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Wow. Yeah. That's that's some smart kid shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, if this really didn't happen, like, maybe he was just evil? <laughs> I don't know. That's not who you want working on your uh, spaceships then. <laughs> right? But he kept them all alive by making the heat-resistant panels. And by the way, I didn't call it a rocket. I called it a spaceship. <laughs> spaceship. They are spaceships. Okay. The family then traveled to St. Louis. Oh, because the exorcism had, had to be halted uh, because of... <laughs> Nobody really wanted to die for this, good boy. Yeah. We want a demon <laughs> out of him, but we don't want to die for it. Right. So they contacted one of the priests at um, St. Louis University Bishop, who turned, who in turn spoke to William S. Bowdern, an associate of the college church. Together, both priests visited Ronald in his relative's home when they allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, and the boy speaking in a gruntle voice. No. <laughs> and then they, 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 they were making claims that none of this was real? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, man. I know. That's where it's like, yes and no, yes and like, no. Sometimes you can be looking something in the face and going, nah, that can't be real. But that's that's the thing. Maybe they were so like, I don't know. No, this ain't real. Yeah. Like, bold face lie. Like, I can't explain it. I can't really do this. So, no. It exactly. I can't explain it so it doesn't exist. That's not how that works. No. No, yeah. no. So the exorcism in St. Louis took place in, at Elixin Brothers Hospital before the next exorcism ritual. So we're multiple exorcisms that they put yeah. this boy through. I mean, that probably is traumatizing in itself. Yeah. It's not. And maybe a warm he hug. was just exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but. Before the next exorcism ritual began, another priest, Walter Holleran, was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital where he asked to assist Bowdern, William Van Vrew, and a third. No. Where he asked to assist Bowdern, William Van Vrew, the third priest, <laughs> who also was there to assist. That's a. Hold on. What did I write? <laughs> I don't know. Walter was Harlan. He the, was his title the third or was he the third priest? He was the third priest. Okay. So you okay. have Walter Harlan, Bowdern, and William Von Vrew performing this. Okay. There's three priests in there. Three priests. This has got to be intense. There's like right. laying of crucifixes and words and like burning. Lots. 
Yeah. yeah. So Halloran stated that during the scenes, um, words such as evil and hell, along with various marks, appeared on the teenage body, the teenager's body. Allegedly like while his during- hands are restrained? Yes. <sighs> yes. Okay. <laughs> How would you make that happen if your hands are restrained? Exactly. And that's where, in the movie, they made that happen, too. Yeah. With the help me. Um, Allegedly, during the latany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress begins to shake. Moreover, Ronald broke... (laughs) What? Ronald (laughs) broke Halloran's nose during this process. And Halloran told a reporter that after the rite was over, the anonymous subject of the exorcism went to lead a rather ordinary life. So they feel like they got the demon out. Now, the priests that performed it, they believed it was real. I think so. They wouldn't have done it if they didn't believe it was real. And they did it, what, like two or three times? Three times. Yeah, I think there was like three times that they did like one in Georgetown, one at his The Georgetown got canceled because he broke the spring. Yeah, he got halted. Um, Then they did it at his relative's house and then here at this hospital. They wouldn't have done it if they didn't believe there was a cause for it. Right. But you know what? Anybody that doesn't... For any unexplainable explainable occurrences, there's those that just refuse to believe that. Right. That's and that's possible. where this is just an author, a different author, Arthur, um, author Mark O, because I'm not, his last name is too hard. <laughs> that's fine. Um, questioned many of the supernatural claims associated with the story, proposing that Ronald Dell was just a spoiled, disturbed bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention to get out of school oh my gosh listen my kids don't want to go to school sometimes too but they have never made furniture levitate over it yeah but this is where i don't know if you like really fully did this research because um mark o also questioned the stories of hughes uh, and the attempts to exercise the boy saying he could find no evidence like during his investigation he said that the exorcism did not play take place at this address which they could have changed the address to save him like if they're hiding his name why wouldn't they hide the address too right they said that the boy never lived in mount rainer that the boy's home was in chicago or maybe because they didn't want weirdos tracking this kid down right um said much of the commonly accepted information about the story is based on hearsay and not documented okay which if they're trying to keep his name away well if the catholic church was doing the exorcisms i bet the catholic church has some records and i also bet i bet that they're not gonna show them to anybody no no those probably are sealed because you're talking about a minor exactly a minor they don't want people to like come and torture this boy yeah 
<laughs> and there's been other exorcism cases that, you know, have come into public knowledge as well. There was another one that a movie was based on. Oh, my gosh. What was it? The Exorcism of Something Rose. Emily Rose. Emily Rose. Yeah. yeah. That one was based on a real case as well. Yeah. But this one was fully on. The Exorcist was on Ronald Doe. This exorcism. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, so the director of the film, he might have taken things too far with the method acting. Oh, boy. So I found that he really tried getting, like, their authentic reactions Jason Miller stated that he had a major verbal confrontation with William after he had fired a gun near his head. Oh, God. Yeah. <gasps> Just to get his reaction. And he said that I don't need that to act surprised and startled. I'm an actor. Yeah. Like, I can, you do not need to shoot a gun by the <laughs> end. No, no. Yeah. Um, Let me give acting a try before you use a firearm <laughs> near my head. <laughs> to get like more realistic um like the breath coming out they refrigerated the bedroom scene oh god and it was like 30 degrees in there oh. so linda blair who was only in a nightgown said that she can't stand being cold anymore i can't stand it she, how old was she when this movie was being made she was young 14 she was a baby yeah this was some yeah. intense stuff for a 14-year-old to yeah. experience and... Well, I mean, all of the actors, like, what he put them through. Yeah. Like, she also was screaming because she was getting hurt while they were, like, bouncing around the bed. So that's the reaction was real. And, you know, when Linda Blair slaps Ellen... I can't even think of how to pronounce her last name. Burstyn? The mother? Okay. Like when she slaps her and like it like makes her go flying across the room. She got a permanent spinal injury from that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like cuz she hit so hard. She broke her coccyx. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's like there's he, such a thing as suffering for your art, but you can take it too far. Right? Right. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. No, no, that's intense. <laughs> Leave the demons alone. <laughs> Leave the demons alone. Yeah, I, I appreciate that they are there, and we don't want we don't want to summon them. So I want to lean on the side of that. I think that this actually might have happened, but I need to find like more evidence to like lead me to the no, this didn't happen. Yeah. So I'm very much leaning more towards the. I think that they're just really hiding all those, like, notes and documents. Probably. Yeah. There's still a lot of unexplainable shit in our world that... Oh, for sure. That's why I'm kind of leaning that, yeah, this might have actually happened. Yeah. Or there was, there was something. There was something. I don't believe this was a kid that was just having fits. No, uh, you know, that was just acting out. I think, you know, maybe there was a psychological thing. Maybe, maybe it was some sort of seizure. But even then, how do you make words appear on your skin? If I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. 
there's not enough evidence out there to say yay or no nay on this one. I don't think. Right. Hmm. Hmm. But exorcisms are creepy. Demon yes. possessions are terrifying. Don't play with uh -huh. Ouija boards. No. Don't play with them at all. No. And if you do, make sure you cast them back. <laughs> cast them back to hell. Yeah. No, I'm not playing with that. So that's that's all for the exorcism. That was a good one. That mm -hmm. was there was a lot of information there that I had no idea about. Yeah. This was fun. I liked this yeah. one. I know, like I could have went in so many different ways, like the serial killer and went off on a tangent of that, or like <laughs> the astronaut that he became. <laughs> no, there's so much cool <laughs> stuff in there that Yeah. Hmm. Yep. I am going to stick with the metaphor that he was possessed by a demon and went on to work for frickin' NASA yep. because it's the best metaphor for overcoming your personal demons ever. Exactly. Like, <laughs> be an astronaut. Yeah. Oh, you had a bad day? I was possessed by a demon. Now I work for NASA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's see you top that. <laughs> exactly. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I say that to my kids all the time. Suck it up, buttercup. Uh-huh. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. That one's, that's been around for years in our family. Uh-huh. This is a good one. Uh-huh. Well, next week, yeah, next week, we are going to talk about the man that was the inspiration to many Hollywood classic horror movies. Yes. Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Yes. And we were going crazy to go into. <laughs> he's a crazy motherfucker. And he inspired so many horror movies. And we we're going to tear his life apart. And we are going to show like what part of it inspired what. And right. it's going to be. It's going to be a deep dive into it. Yeah. It's going to be twisted. <laughs> Very twisted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's all we have for this week. I think so. Check us out on our social medias on Facebook at the Mimesis Podcast. Um, Twitter at Mimesis underscore podcast. Is that right? That's right. And I feel like I'm forgetting a bunch of them. Instagram at yes. the Mimesis Podcast. Gmail. Gmail. The Mimesis. No. What is it? <laughs> it's mimesispodcast at gmail.com. The mimesispodcast at okay. gmail.com. Okay. Yep. And then check out our website, mimesispodcast.com. I, before we close the show, I have to say a huge congratulations to um, one of my favorite podcasters, Elena from Morbid, released her very first book it's called the butcher and the wren and miss that. thing not only did she release her first book miss thing became a number one new york times bestseller Ooh. for this freaking book so good job congratulations elena and everybody if you get a chance go out and pick up that book because elena is super intelligent and super creative and this book's got to be amazing so oh i'm gonna have to check it out yeah me too i'm all about it yeah all right. I think that's all we have for this week. So until, until next, next time. time. Bye. Bye.